From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. How did you get started in the professional speaking industry? How do you become a speaker? That is one of the most common questions that I get asked, actually, on a pretty regular basis, and that is going to be the theme of what we're talking about today, and you will hear from none other than the legendary Brian Tracy, uh, a friend of mine that I've developed over the years. I'm going to interview Brian. You're going to hear his story about he got started in the business, and after that, uh, you're going to get to hear some of my story, and I think you'll see a lot of commonalities between the two stories, and um, he's just an amazing man who has impacted millions and millions of people. And I just want you to listen though, because you may not want to be a professional speaker and that's fine. Maybe you want to, maybe you do want to become a better speaker. And and I think you'll, you'll get some tips here that will help you. But, um, it's not about becoming a professional speaker. Really. It's, it's about achieving your dream and it's about finding something that you love and pursuing something that you think can make a real difference in the world and believing in yourself enough to go after it. That's what we're really talking about today. And you're going to get to hear me and really one of the legends in the industry talk. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. I am incredibly honored and hopefully you will feel very lucky and blessed to uh, get a chance to listen and learn at the feet here of truly one of the legends in this business. His name is Brian Tracy and he certainly needs no introduction, but if you if you if you haven't heard of Brian Tracy, he has spoken to more than five million people, um, five thousand talks he's done, seventy countries. He he speaks to about a quarter million people a year. He has written over seventy books, um, three hundred audio programs. The Psychology of Achievement is uh, one of the most popular, which has been translated into twenty eight languages. And uh, Brian is just an amazing guy, and and I won't. I ran into him and his wife Barbara in the airport, and I I asked him if I could steal a few minutes, and and he agreed. So uh, welcome to the show, sir. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank thank you very much. How are you? Very good, very good. So I think one of the one of the things that you and I seem to have in common is this uh, this personal fascination with self discipline and. Um, you know, of course, you you have eat that frog and no excuses and several other things that you've done where you talk a lot about um, self discipline. So, h- how did you uh, how did you develop sort of that same passion around the topic? Well, I'm a voracious reader, and I have been all my life. So, uh, and also, I started off with very little. So, without self discipline and hard work and focus, you really can't accomplish anything. Well, many years ago, two stories. I uh, I read all the works of Napoleon Hill, which I think everybody should do in their 20s, before they move on to our books. Uh, it's a <laughs> good foundation for them. But one of his books was called The Master Key to Riches. And he writes his whole book about success and successful people and overcoming obstacles. And the last paragraph of the last chapter of the last page is, The Master Key to Riches is Self-Discipline. Mm-hmm. And I always remember that. And then... As I got into the whole field of success studies, I came across a body of work by a man named Kopp Koppmeyer. And he was an older man, but he had spent 54 years studying success and eliciting uh, ideas, success principles. And then he wrote four books, 
with 250 principles per book. Some of the principles were only one or two pages long. And then he published these books and sold 40 million copies worldwide. I think I remember saying he sold more copies than the works of Mao Zedong. Uh, millions and millions of copies. By the time I met him and re- re- learned about his material, he had sort of pa- he had sort of passed his due date. He was no longer um, uh, famous, and he was older. Anyway, so I'm at an NSA convention in Washington, and I go to the, uh, for the food fair, and I get some food, and I'm sitting at this table, and it's very busy, and I've been at a table for four, and this old man, and obviously his assistant, uh, came along with trays looking for a place to sit, and there was no place to sit. So I got up and I said, sir, please join me. I've got lots of room here. He said, no, no, I wouldn't want to disturb you. I said, no, no, please. You know, it's really busy. Please sit down. So he did. It was Cop Copmeyer. And wow. I, I had read all his materials. Um, our good friend Ty Boyd did an audio program of um, many of his pro, huge audio program, 12 cassettes. Uh, auditing, editing his books, and narrated his books. And uh, so I sat down and we started talking. I told him, I know you. I've read all your stuff, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then I said, and then I asked him this question. And the question was, of all these thousand success principles, what do you consider to be the most important? And I say he smiled at me with a great charming look. He was 89 at the time. He died, I think, the following year. And he had this big, charming smile, as if he had heard this question over and over again. He said, Brian, the most important success principle is embodied in the words of Albert Hubbard, who said this. He said, self-discipline is the ability to make yourself do what you should do, when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. He said, if you have that, the other 999 principles will work. But if you don't have self-discipline, the other 999 principles will not help you. And I never forgot that conversation, and I've shared it with many people uh, around the world, that self-discipline is the catalyst or the linchpin that makes all the other principles work. Hmm. I, I love that. that it, it, and it seems like it's just it's not popular. People don't uh, like to hear that necessarily, but um, you certainly have practiced it. Can you talk about? Can you talk about eat that frog and where that whole concept came from? Well, eat that frog is. Uh, I would just say it's the best-selling book on time management in history in forty-two languages, and it still sells and sells and sells, and it's being reissued in a, in a third edition uh, this year, and we expect it to sell another three or four million copies. So what it is, is many years ago, I submitted a, a manuscript to a publisher, and it was called, you know, double your um, productivity, double your time off. And they said, well, it's a nice title, but he read it through, and he came to one part. It was 21 great ideas to double your productivity, double your time off. And he came to one, and it was called Eat That Frog, one of the 21 ideas. And it said that if you uh, start each day, uh, by um, working on your most important task and get on top of the task, your whole day will be more productive. And it's, the story was that if the first thing you do in the morning is you eat a live frog, you'll have the pleasure of knowing that that's probably the worst thing that's going to happen to you all day long. <laughs> and then this, and this is in the introduction. I said, and the two corollaries of this rule are, is that um, you, if you have to eat a live frog, it doesn't pay to think about it for uh, for very long. And um, if you have to eat a live frog, eat the ugliest one first. Or if you have to eat more than one frog, eat the ugliest one first. So they said that is the perfect title. And if we can run the frog analogy throughout the entire book, I think it'll be a top seller. And he he was right. Very good publisher. And so um, Eat That Frog simply says, and it's 21 ways to organize and manage your time, and it basically comes down to the simple principle, is organize, set priorities, and determine the most important thing that you can do each morning, and then start on that one task and stay with it 100% until it's complete. If you could do that, you can conquer the world. And if you do that on a regular basis, the payoff to you will be extraordinary. And so that's what the book does. And people say, but companies buy thousands of them. People say it literally changes their life. Rags to riches, trans, life transformed, best book they ever had. And all it says is get, get organized, plan, set priorities, pick your most important task, and do the worst first. Start on your most important task. And that simple concept, that simple idea, 
has been helpful to millions of people. And so you you talk about how you know these ideas, self discipline, uh, you know, doing the hard thing first, how that can change somebody's life, and it it changed your life. And and I think a lot of people don't realize kind of where you started f- from. So could you just give us a little bit of like what things were like for you? And then how did you how did you make the entree into this industry? Because this wasn't even really, I mean, you and Zig and Cavett and Tom Hopkins and uh, you know it was like Jim Rohn. It seems like you guys made this an industry. It didn't used to be an industry. So can you talk about like where you came from and how you how you got in involved with all this? Well. I think everybody has turning points in their life. And I, I started off, I didn't graduate from high school, and I was told that if you didn't graduate from high school, if you didn't go to college, you wouldn't do very well at life. You wouldn't get a good job. You wouldn't marry well. You wouldn't earn very much money. And so I bought that. And uh, the first job I got uh, was washing dishes. And I thought that my future lied in being a really good dishwasher. In fact, I had a plan once, and my plan was to get two eight-hour shifts, day shift and evening shift in two hotels as a dishwasher and work from you know, 8 to 5 in one and then 5 to midnight in the other and race in between. I thought if I could work 16 hours a day as a dishwasher, then by gum, that would be the key to success and I could rest on the one day off each week. Well, that didn't work out. Um, so I washed cars. I washed floors. Uh, I say that uh, I thought washing was in my future. But one by one, the jobs went by, and I worked in construction, I worked in factories, I worked digging wells, I worked on farms, I worked um, uh, in, on a ship. When I was 23 years old, I was working on the harvest as an itinerant farm laborer, uh, sleeping in the farmer's barn, getting up at dawn before sunrise, eating with the farmer's family, and then working in the fields all day to bring in the harvest before the first frost. Uh, and... That was where I was going at 23. And when I could no longer find a job in, in, in labor, uh, the only thing I could do to eat was to find a job in straight commission selling, door to door, where if you didn't sell something, you didn't eat. There was no base, base pay or anything else. And I had to discipline myself. Fortunately, I, I've always been disciplined. I've always had a certain amount of self-control, but I had to discipline myself to get up at 6, 6.30 in the morning and be out knocking on doors at 8 o'clock when people came to work and knock on doors all day, offices and industrial parks, and then in the evening I'd go out and knock on homes and apartment doors until 9 or 9.30, sometimes what even 10 selling? o'clock. I was selling a variety of things. One time I was selling a bonus book where if you paid $20, you got a card, and this card entitled you to discounts from more than 100 retailers, mostly um, restaurants and fast food places. So it worked out well, but sold for $20, and I got an $8 commission. And sometimes I'd work 12, 14 hours in a day and not make one sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, I learned how to sell. I kept start to study the craft of selling, started working on um, selling. I started to learn uh, introductory techniques and then closing techniques. And one day, I hit upon a closing technique, They tripled my sales. Within a month, I was the sales manager training over 20 people on how to sell this uh, citywide. Um, It changed my life. And so so I I always say I had three um, major turning points. I've had a lot of turning points in my life that, in retrospect, were the difference between life and death. But I still remember three. And it's interesting because when you look at successful people, uh, they report the same three. The first was when I discovered the age of... 21, that I was responsible for my own life. I was a construction laborer, and I was living in a one-room apartment, and it was 35 degrees below zero outside, and I had just enough money to get through the week and through the month. And I was sitting there in my little apartment, and I realized that this is my life, that if I don't change it, if I don't do something different, then nothing's going to change for me. I'm responsible. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that, almost like a flashbulb going off in my face. And that started... A shift in my life. I started to be going down a different road. The second thing I discovered some years later was goals. The importance of written goals and plans and working on them in a disciplined way every day. So now I, what I teach is once you accept responsibility, the question you have to ask is responsibility for what? And the answer is mm-hmm. to, to do what you need to do to achieve 
the goals that are important to you. Discipline yourself to get up earlier, work harder, stay later, and so on. And the third thing that changed my life was the discovery of personal development, reading, learning, mm. listening, upgrading my skills. And those three, like a golden triangle, are the life-transforming discoveries. So later on, we have really popular books like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Right. Chapter one, take control, accept responsibility. Jack Canfield, Success Principles, chapter one, take control, accept responsibility. Every great man or woman, every high-powered person is really highly responsible. And that's a tremendous discipline. And I think a lot of people don't realize, I remember, I think the first time that uh, I actually got a chance to talk to you was at an NSA event. I, I was I was volunteering for this uh, lab for NSA, and I got to interview you. And I remember being blown away at the story where you talked about how you got started in the speaking industry and how, you know, in our minds, we see somebody who, you know, speaks to a quarter million people every year and sells millions of copies of books. Uh, and we kind of, we see you today can you just like, and, and I, I know you, you probably get this question. I get the question all the time. How did you get in this industry? You know, I want to do what you want, what you do. And can you just tell a little bit of the, of the true story of what people don't realize about what it takes to make it as a speaker and an author and, you know, like in this industry? Well, yes, I, uh, I went to seminars as part of my personal development. I was very hungry to learn new stuff. And as I went to seminars, I started thinking, you know, I could do better than this. I could put together a seminar that was better than this. And then I went to a weekend seminar that cost $500. It was an enormous amount of money. And this guy spoke for two days, and he was a poor speaker. And he had about three or 400 people in the room. And he was handing out cheap mimeographed um, pages uh, on business building and personal success. And I said, geez, I could do better than this. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put together a seminar. See, everybody looks at you uh, and thinks, well, this is easy. You just stand up there and talk. And so right. uh, I started thinking about that. And this guy walked in my door one day and he said, you know, I sell seminars for a large uh, national sales company. I go from office to office. And if you had a seminar, um, I could sell it for you. And I said, okay. As a matter of fact, I've been thinking of doing that. So I immediately set up a business to give a seminar. And I started with a two-day seminar, a weekend seminar, Saturday, Sunday. And I worked mm -hmm. back from there. And I spent 300 hours putting this seminar together and planning it. And this guy, uh, he said he was going to go out and sell the seminar. He'd fill the room. He ended up, after two months and enormous amount of money, he got seven people in a room, six of whom were members of my family or extended family. <laughs> only, only, only one was paid. And I was paying him a base, pay, everything else. And it was always next to your country. Next time, we're going to have a lot of people. The guy just worked me for the base of pay. And after that seminar, I fired him, and I went out and started selling my own. So I have a little story I think I told you. I said, when I started speaking, I learned how to sell all over again. I sold my house. I sold my car. I sold my furniture. <laughs> I, sold, I sold everything I'd ever saved in my life. And I went completely broke. I sold my house, and I had to move to a rented house. I had just gotten married, I had a child, and I had two children, and I advertised. I advertised in newspapers and radio and TV. I even took out a billboard once. I did direct mail, thousands of pieces of direct mail. And after all of that, there was this dead silence. <laughs> Nobody responded to any of it. <laughs> I, might have, I could have piled it all. I said I could have taken all my brochures and piled them all in a parking lot and burnt them, and I'd have saved money, I'd have saved the postage for the amount of results I got. And so finally I realized that the only way I was going to get people to come to my seminar is I would have to sit down, but go back to basics, put together a presentation, and start knocking on doors and calling on business people and asking them to please come to my seminar. And that's what I did. It took me two solid years. It's like an airplane diving toward the ground. It took me two solid years to pull it out of the dive and to start to finally make more money than I was spending. And that was my beginning. Uh, but it was very hard and very precarious. And, and what do you think? I mean, I, I love that you're a student first. I think it's another one of the sort of natural affinities that we've had is, is uh, you know, I... I I think sometimes people call me author, speaker, whatever, entrepreneur, but it's like, I'm very much a student first. And, 
And you've been a a legendary teacher, but you've always, even now, such a student and and such a reader. Are are there any things that... um, you know, like as you think towards the future, you think about how is how is the industry change, and is there anything that sort of anything that you wish was different about the direction we were going, or that you really love about the direction that the that the industry, like the you know the personal development industry, is is heading, or anything that you would you would wish for it to become more like or return to the way it used to be? Well, my motivation. People say, "Why did you start speaking?" Well, I was so excited about these ideas. And these ideas were on how you could unlock your potential in any direction. It was almost like a, uh, a, a powerful nutritional vitamin mix. You take it and you could do anything better and faster and so on. And that was my excitement. I loved the ideas. So I put together seminars. As I said, I spent 300 hours of study and research and assembling my material for my first two-day seminar. And then I gave the entire seminar without notes. Basically, two days, four 90-minute sessions without notes for um, two days. And the first people who went through the seminar came up and said, this is, this is life-changing, which is, of course, a great motivation for me. And it, it kept me going. Even through the difficult times, people said over and over again, this is life-changing. This is life-transforming. This seminar, by the way, was called the Phoenix Seminar, and it was based on the Phoenix Bird and how the phoenix bird consumes itself in flames and then re-arises out of the flames to live another 500 years. So it's the, it's the, it's the worldwide symbol of transformation. And I took it to Nightingale Corner. I had somebody to record it. After two years of giving the seminar over and over again, I had somebody record it. I sent the tapes to Nightingale Corner, the cassettes, and they called me back in two days and said, we want this. We want to release this as a program. And uh, how soon can you get here? Well, I lived in Edmonton at that time. I said, how about tomorrow? I got the next flight out and flew down to uh, Chicago to meet with Nightingale Conant. And they released it as a program, and it became the best-selling single success program in the world. It's now gone into 38 languages. I then recorded it on video and turned it into a training program and, and then trained facilitators all over the world. And they still, today, there are thousands of people going through it as we speak. I once had 300 centers in China giving this program, translating into Chinese. It became the psychology of achievement, and it became the book Maximum Achievement. But my whole focus, I was so determined that if you have these ideas, you won't have to spend as many years. I started at 35, 36 years old. If you have these ideas, this can save you years of hard work in getting to the same level. So that has been my whole focus, is to teach people how they can dramatically increase the rate in which they achieve their goals. I started did my sales program called The Psychology of Selling, which became the best-selling sales program in the world in 16 languages. I did my programs on time management, which became the best-selling time management programs. And every one was preceded by hundreds of hours of research and then consolidation and then practice in front of a large audience. I had my pro- I designed a program, two days, how to start, build, manage, or turn around any business, which became the most popular program for entrepreneurs and business owners in the world. And every one of them was based on enormous research. So my whole focus, and I don't mean to take up all your time, but my whole focus has been on helping people by giving them practical ideas that they can use immediately to get better results faster and easier than ever before. Now, Mm -hmm. when you ask me about the current industry, that's my approach, is I want to help people with practical ideas. And, And I now have 80 books, all different, Uh, 14 books on management, each one with 21 key ideas, each one with several sub-ideas, times 21, plus another 65 books. And I'm now working on four more books right now simultaneously. Um, And every one of them is designed to help people be more effective. Now, here's another thing. I always provide written workbooks, detailed workbooks with every talk. I very seldom do just keynotes or, or motivational talks. Everything is practical. Even if I do a 20-minute keynote, it's going to be the seven key steps to setting and achieving any goal in 20 minutes. Here they are, practical, practical, practical. So my, my concern about some speakers is that they are light. Is they, they may be uh, motivational, uh, interesting, fun, and so on. But the person afterwards, and I heard this over and over again, the person afterwards says, that was really good. What did he say? 
That was really good. <laughs> what did he say? There was, there was no, there was, I said, you know, like the old uh, advertisement, where's the beef? There's no beef. And so, and that's fine. There's a, there's a huge market, I'm sure, for entertainment seminars. My market, what I focus on, is corporations and individuals who really want to improve their sales and profitability faster or some other part of their lives. And I, so I have one more question for you here, but before I dive into that, Brian, where do you want people to go to um, learn more about you and, and just kind of get connected with what you're doing um, if, they're, if they're new to you? Well, what, what we do is we have a, a, an extensive online business at briantracy.com, one word, briantracy.com. And what we do is we give away a lot of really practical materials self-analysis materials on self-confidence, goal-setting, time management, and so on. And then we have some things that you can buy, a much more detailed program. So if you want more information, just go to BrianTracy.com. And um, mm-hmm. it's, cause it's one of the most robust and interesting uh, websites in our industry. Uh, yeah, we'll put a link to BrianTracy.com in the show notes, and you guys can check that out. But the uh, So my last little question for you here is... In everything that you have studied and learned, what is what is one thing that you changed your mind on? In other words, you learned it initially. You were convicted that this is the way that things are. You started practicing it. Then you go through this whole career, you know, teaching, learning. Uh, I know you, you've, I mean, you've worked with Fortune 500 companies and, you know, just huge organizations of all different types. And then now you kind of look back on your life and you go, you know what? I think that my philosophy about X has changed from what I, what I once knew to be true. Now I, I wonder if it really is. Well, it's, it's an interesting question. I could probably think of one thing. When I began speaking, I was absolutely determined to just fill every minute with ideas and content. Someone mm. once came up to me after a 90-minute session and said, I took 80 notes, uh, 80, 80 different points in that 90-minute session. And you referred, you made 23, 25 referrals to different scholars, reports, and so on. He said, it's almost overwhelming. And one day I was doing a talk. I, I was asked by a uh, company president, uh, we have uh, 800 business owners and they all want to become wealthy. Could you do a talk on self-made millionaires? And I said, okay, sure. I mean, that's what we say when we're young speakers. We'll speak on anything. <laughs> and it was one hour at their annual meeting. So I hung up the phone and I realized I really not know anything about self-made millionaires. So I did a two-month full-court press studying self-made millionaires. I pulled up the research, I read the books, I took the notes, and I came out with a little talk called The uh, 21 Success Secrets of Self-Made Millionaires. And I gave it at this convention two months later, and it was very well received. And people said, can you give this at our company? Can you give this at our company? So I was asked to give it to a group of speakers and business owners, uh, and I had only 60 minutes. And I gave this 21 ideas in 60 minutes, and it was like, wham, just like a shot from guns. And it was so much material, it was overwhelming. But I was determined to get through 21 points in 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, Og Bandino, who was the, the, the featured mm. speaker at this convention, I spoke to him and he said, Brian, and this changed my whole speaking life. He said, Brian, he said, that was a good talk and good material. He said, but you've got to romance your points a little mm. bit. And I'll never forget that. You've got to romance your points. He said, give fewer points, but give more stories. Give more examples. Slow it down so that people can take it in and, 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 and assimilate it instead of overwhelming them. And later, I hired um, Ron Arden, my speaking coach, for 10 years. Best speaking coach in the world, probably. And he worked with me. I worked with him closely for 10 years. And I paid him a fortune which was worth it. And he, he told me many, many, many wonderful things about speaking. But one of the things he said is, remember, Brian, they never know what you leave out. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to cover it all if you have a limited amount of time. It's because they never know what you leave out. And then Og Mandino said, you have to romance your points. You take those two ideas together. And I was able to slow my speaking down, give more examples and stories, make it easier to understand, make it more enjoyable. And that had a very profound effect on my life. 
Mm, what a great, a great, great lesson. Uh, I love. I've never heard the romance your points story. That's such a great, a great one. Well, um, BrianTracy.com is the place you can go if you, and uh, you can get connected to him and and learn more. Brian, just I think on behalf of all of us, thank you for your commitment to the industry um, and for your selfless service to helping millions of people around to to achieve all of their goals. And, and we're very honored to have you. Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be with you. What a pleasure and a privilege. So fun to just talk with one of the legends about what it takes to succeed as a speaker and hear his story. And man, he has helped shape this entire industry. You know, as I was reflecting back and it's, I've been able, as I say, to know Brian and hear some of his story and one of the things I realized was, you know, I've never really shared my story about how I got started as a professional speaker. And it is one of the most common questions that I get asked. And I thought, hey, you know what? For once and for all, I should uh, talk this through and kind of put it out there in the world so that it's recorded and anybody can listen to it at any time they are curious. Because I think Brian and I share a lot in common in, in terms of our desire and things and things that kind of got us on the on the path but um so i'm just going to run through for you this is my 15 point checklist for how i uh became a professional speaker because for me when i I, when i was like uh 17 or 18 years old i knew that i wanted to spend my life reading writing researching and and speaking on the topic of self-discipline i had seen a speaker when I was in sixth grade at Platt Middle School, PMS, uh, and and he was really funny, but he told this horrible story about drugs and how his like his brother died or his best friend died, and he made all these wrong decisions. And I was like, uh, wow, you know, it was really good, and he was funny and uplifting, but it was a, a really heartbreaking story. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if somebody could talk to people and kids specifically at that time about making good choices? Like, what if you made good choices your whole life? What would the byproduct of that look like if you started making good choices from the time that you were young? And then when I was in, um, you know, high school, I was in student senate, and I remember we paid a speaker for like a thousand dollars or something, and I was like, "This is unbelievable! I can't believe they get paid that much!" and and I was like, "That is the career for me," and so I, you know, that was kind of like what I knew I wanted to do, and and you know, there's there's so many days now and even with our our team at southwestern consulting and you know we're we're an eight figure business and we have a hun- over 100 well over 100 team members and um i guess there's a lot of things that that as a team we've really done and and yet there's these times so much today when i still feel behind like i still feel like i don't know what i'm doing and i still feel like i'm just barely learning and i'm i I have so such a far way to go to you know make the kind of impact that I want to make as a as a speaker and and yet I guess when I look back there's there's a lot of things that we have progressed on and um it's definitely been a journey with the help of a lot of tremendous people so I'm just going to lay it out for you because I think that my story would be pretty scalable like pretty repeatable um for somebody who you know, really had a desire to, to speak publicly, or maybe you don't want to do it as your full-time profession because that's really hard and requires a lot of sacrifice and a lot of travel. Um, but, uh, you know, even if you just want to become a better speaker. So I think for me, it really started when I started working for Southwestern in, in college. And of course, I talk about that a lot in our heritage of, of our, our uh, parent company of just selling educational children's books door to door 40 hour or excuse me 80 hours a week 6 days a week on straight commission and i made about a quarter million dollars in in my five summers um, selling and recruiting students to come with me to sell and i remember being at sales school the the very first day of my very first summer in nashville and there was i don't know i don't know there's all these students in the room and hundreds of students and this guy walked out and he was the very first speaker and he was just amazing. He was inspiring and he was hilarious. And he talked to us about positive self-talk and goals and how what we were choosing to do was face a set of fears that most people would never choose to face and that we were choosing a path that was different from what most people on, on campus would ever choose. And 
that man really inspired me, and his name was Dan Moore, and he is the president now of the Southwestern Advantage, uh, Southwestern Advantage, the, the sister company that still works with those students. And that was another moment when I decided this is what I want to do. And I did that for five years and recruited, um, you know, almost 60 students to come and work with me in the following summers and made a bunch of money. And then they, uh, Southwestern had hired a guy named Eric Chester to come and speak at one of our, our conferences. And, and I, Eric mentioned in his speech, and Eric was a Hall of Fame speaker, and he mentioned in his speech he had a son named Zach who went to CU Boulder, which was where I was recruiting. And so I went up to Eric afterwards, and I said, Hey, Eric, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you do, but right now I just need your son's phone number because I'm going to recruit him to come sell books with me. And Eric gave me his phone number, and that's how Eric and I got to know each other. And and so that was sort of the first step was, you know, I worked in this direct sales and and very similar to how Brian got started and similar to how Zig Ziglar started. And a lot of speakers have come up through that path because there's so much growth that happens in such a short amount of time. So step two, and this is the best advice I could give anybody that wants to become a professional speaker, was that I joined Toastmasters and... I was meeting with Eric Chester, and, and he said, the, whole, the difference between a good speaker and a great speaker is 1,000 speeches. And he's like, you have to go out and speak 1,000 times. And I said, well, how do I speak 1,000 times? Nobody knows to hire me to speak. He said, well, join Toastmasters and go and speak there. And so that's what I did. And I said, all right, I'm going to go join Toastmasters. And, you know, there's all these local clubs where you can you can join. There, there's, there's hundreds of, uh, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's thousands of clubs all around the world, um, tens of thousands. There's got to be tens of thousands of clubs, and they're um, it's amazing. They're the most uplifting people in the in the world. And um, you know, I joined that club, and and that set me on a on a journey uh, that I'll talk about here in a little bit. But then the third thing I did was I joined NSA, the National Speakers Association, which is where a lot of the great speakers, you know, mingle and hang out. And that's, that is where I met Zig Ziglar. That's where I met Brian Tracy. And that's where I met Mark Sanborn. And, and I met so many of my friends and mentors, and I'm still to this day, a member of the National Speakers Association. And Toastmasters is more like the art of speaking. NSA is more of like the business of, of speaking. And it's, it's for, you know, it's for people just getting started out really only about 7%. Um, if I remember right, about 7% of NSAers make a full-time living as a speaker. So, you know, you get involved with NSA. Then step four was I took Eric's advice and I went out and spoke like crazy. I spoke 304 times for free to anybody who would listen. And I just cold called on Toastmaster clubs, Kiwanis uh, clubs, Rotary, Chambers of Commerce, churches, schools. I did open mic nights at comedy clubs, local businesses, and anywhere that I could get stage time. And I would I would drive 45 minutes. Uh, I remember driving 45 minutes, more than 45 minutes, like an hour from South Denver at the at Denver University where I was going to school to Colorado Springs to get five minutes of stage time at a comedy club. And, you know, there, there were, I would do that a bunch. And, and that's because, you know, Darren LaCroix, the, the 2001 world champion of public speaking told me stage time, stage time, stage time. That was all that mattered. And Eric Chester said the difference between a good speaker and a great speaker is a thousand speeches. And so I was like, man, all right, I got to get to a thousand. And, and so that's what I did. So I spoke a ton for free, and I video rec- recorded um, myself every every single time, which is step number five. I recorded every single speech, and I watched every single one of them. I watched them over and over and over, and that is how you get good, right? Of course, you don't want to watch your speech. It's terrible, right? You Everyone's terrible when they start, and I was speaking to two people in the back of a Perkins restaurant. I'm not even exaggerating. That was the norm for me. So when I speak now in front of 10,000 people, uh, you know, nobody was there when I was speaking to two people in the back of a Perkins restaurant. And that's just, that is paying the price. And you, you, you pay the price of, of that dream and you have to want it bad enough to be able to do those things. And, and a big part of my 304 speeches was because, um, you know, we started Southwestern Consulting and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But so I was, I was doing that during the day and I was doing all this other stuff at night. Um, 
and uh, on weekends and in the in the early mornings. But I recorded every speech, and Ed Tate taught me. You know, he said, "Rory, you need to watch your speech four different ways." He said, first of all, when you watch your video, watch it with your back to the screen so that you just listen to the presentation." He said, then uh, watch it uh, norm or watch it with on mute. So that way you can catch nervous gestures and nervous ticks, right? Like you're just, or excuse me, so you're just watching for gestures. When you watch it on mute, you're watching it in normal speed, but on mute. Um, and then you're just seeing how your gestures are and really paying attention to that. But then you watch it on fast forward. That's how you pick up the nervous gestures and the nervous ticks because you'll see yourself like twirling your hair or tapping your foot or things that you wouldn't catch in normal speed. And then finally you watch it normal all together. And so I, I did that. I recorded every speech. Step six was I, I studied, right? I was, I went to the pioneer leadership program at the university of Denver and I got a leadership, uh, a minor in leadership and, uh, accounting, and then a major in management and an MBA from the university of Denver. And, and that was part of the credibility, right? Was the formal education. Um, step seven was I paid well over $10,000 of speech coaching in those early years. Um, I still spend, I spend way more than that. I, I mean, I spend, I spend probably $5,000 a year still on personal development, even though it's, it's not all, you know, speech related nowadays, but, um, I invested a tremendous amount of money on reading books, uh, listening to programs, meeting with mentors and, and business advice, traveling to conferences, and that's how you shorten the learning curve, right? And I went on to create a bunch of those products that, you know, it's amazing. You can, you can go to our shopping cart and, and buy some of my products on speaking, and it's thousands of hours of information distilled that's available to you in a book or a five-hour audio program that'll completely change your life, and it's just there, right? Um, so then step eight was I made it to the, the Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking in 2006. So there's 25,000 contestants who compete from 90 countries. And I was like, that was my dream. I said, I'm going to win the world championship. And I really had no right to think that I would. And I was probably just too naive, you know, and just thought I would just go for it. And what the heck? And, and so that's what I did. I, I went for it. And I remember it was so exciting and exhilarating to be there. And I, I really wasn't ready, you know, when I, when I made it to the world championship, I was still working on that speech and, and I lost. Um, I was the first speaker, or excuse me, I was the second speaker, I remember, out of uh, nine speakers that year, and I, I lost. I, I, I didn't place, or I tied for fourth, um, as we like to say. And so I went back the next year, and I studied harder, and I did more, and I got more videos, and, and in 2007 was the year that I, I lost again, but I lost higher, um, as I like to say. I, I took second, and uh, became the, the world champion of public speaking, first runner up. And I was, I was 23 years old when I, I was there at the world championship that year. And that launched a lot of my career. And so that was, that was step nine. And, and then, um, step 10 was about that same time. That's when we started Southwestern consulting. And this is another thing that is really in common from a lot of professional speakers is they go to work for a company like Tony Robbins worked for Jim Rohn right? And uh, Ron Marks used to run seminars for Tom Hopkins. And and I think you see, like, I know Mark Sanborn and Ed Tate, those guys worked for, Ed Tate was a 2000 world champion of public speaking. And Mark Sanborn is a, a CPAE Hall of Fame public speaker, a good friend. We've had him on the show. And and many of those people have all worked for companies like Fred Pryor and and so forth. And now, you know, Southwestern Consulting, we started that, we started that business and we're now the fastest growing for sure. And one of the only remaining really, even though we don't sell tickets, we sell coaching, but we do that same model. And that's what we teach all of our team members to do. We teach them how to go speak for free. And then they introduce coaching um, at the end. So they provide free value. Like they literally go speak for free everywhere. And then at the end, they tell people about our coaching and, and that's how they build their business and they don't have to get on airplanes. And so um, that's what we do. And that was how I started, you know, it just happened to be that we started our own company instead of going to work for another one. But um, so that was step 10, step 11 was uh, I got more and more stage time. <laughs> and so I just kept going. And, and I remember when I finally crossed a thousand speeches and I, I just, 
was focused on that, um, getting to a thousand speeches. And then I, I, step 12 was I hired a brilliant branding coach, which was David Averin, who was just on the show not too long ago. And he walked me through several questions more than I've got time to talk about here. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to start working on a program to walk people through this journey and the mechanics and the, the marketing that needs to take. I'm going to, I'm going to commit to you right now that I'm going to take all this and I'm going to put it together in a comprehensive course to um, make available to the world because it's just as I'm even talking this out, there's just so much that we've done and all these people that have invested into me and, um, you know, so that the brand is a huge part of being a speaker, but it's a whole area of study in and of itself, which is one of the reasons why I still have so many marketing speakers come on the show because it's hard and it's challenging to understand, but it's so, so critical um, step 13 was I started creating products and that is a whole world and area of study, but creating products is, is huge because when you have products, you can go speak for free and then you can sell the products at the back of the room and people will buy them. Just they'll buy them as long as you do a great job on stage. It's really easy, but there's a whole science to how you structure the offer and create the product and do the pricing sheets. And what do you say from stage and when do you say it and how do you say it? And, and what, you know, how do you structure the bonuses and all this stuff, a whole science around doing this that I had to figure out and I had to learn. And I spent thousands of dollars investing into courses to teach, teach us how to do that. So, um, you know, but, but I did that. I started creating products and all the while, right. Southwestern consulting started to take off. So back in 2006, we started the company and by 2007, we were doing over a million dollars in revenue. By 2008, we were doing about 2 million in revenue and the team was started to grow and started to grow. And, and then about that time I got to step 14, which was when I really started finally speaking for money. Um, this was about five years into it. Um, I had gotten like $50 here and there, maybe 500 bucks, but I finally started to get like a few thousand dollars, 3,000, 4,000, $5,000 to go out and speak. And, and then in 2009 was when I hired two program directors to assist me in calling on companies to hire me as a speaker. And the, the names of my two program directors was uh, mom and wife it's a team right and and so i guess i think if i had to you know summarize all of this this stuff in into you know listen to what brian said which was just there's just so many elements of wisdom in general but in terms of succeeding in this industry and and i just feel so lucky to personally know people like him and if i had to if i had to look back and, and sort of summarize all these things it's be a student Every single one of these guys was a student, tremendous student. And the number two thing is it's not about age time. It's about stage time. You, you, you can't, the only way to become a great speaker is to get out there and speak. You have to do it over and over and over and over and over thousands of times to really get comfortable on stage. And it's take, you know, it's, it's, it's taking charge of your own success, right? You can't, you can't afford to wait to be discovered. Your dream is too valuable. And that's what it was for me. And maybe your dream has nothing to do with being a speaker, but that was what mine was. And I could not wait for somebody else to just find me. I, I had to go out and I had to take charge of my own life, just like Brian was talking about. The third thing is be service-minded. Every one of these guys has just a heart to help other people. And that's a big part of where Southwestern Consulting's mission, you know, we help people achieve their goals in life. That is, you know, Southwestern's corporate family mission, but we adopted that and have championed that and really made that our own. And uh, it's because we're service minded as a, as an organization. Uh, the fourth thing is, is don't allow your pursuit of your dream, speaking in my case, to compromise your other targets, right? Like I was, I was, I think a lot of people go, oh, I need to quit my job or quit what I'm focused on now so I can be a speaker. And you don't have to. You can you can do it on the side. You can do it every spare waking moment you have, right? Like I was in grad school when I started and then I was selling books door to door and then I was I was uh, working at an IT firm and then I was I was um, starting Southwestern Consulting and and you have to keep the main thing the main thing and you you work on your dream every spare second that you have. And then finally, the last thing is, is you got to build a team, right? You know, how, how do you build, you know, if someone asked me, how did, how did I build a, an incredible speaking business? It's like, I didn't, 
I didn't. We did. I didn't. We did. You have to have a team, right? It was it was Eric Chester taking me under his wing and Dan Moore and Ed Tate and Darren LaCroix and Mark Brown when coaching me through the World Championship of Public Speaking and 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 then it was my dad building the website and my mom making phone calls for me and my wife and my fiance making phone calls and our whole team at Southwestern Consulting, you know, my my original business partner Dustin, who we teamed up and had this dream, and and then Southwestern believed in us, and and then uh, Dave came on board, Dave Brown, and you haven't even met him yet, but all of these people who invested into my dream, and many of them had their own dreams too, but uh, and Southwestern Consulting certainly was a collective dream, but you have to have a team. You, you have to. You cannot do it alone. You have to be lifted up by mentors and partners, and, and there's no reason you can't do it alone. And that's one thing I love about the speaking profession is it's it's an industry where people share and they're open, right? I mean, just go through this entire podcast or my blog. It's all this free information. It's, it's the heart of Cavett Robert, who was the founder of NSA, which he didn't believe in, in getting a bigger piece of the pie. He believed in making a bigger pie for everybody. And so it's, it's an industry of abundance. And there's, there's also just a, you know, this direct connection between sales and speaking. And that's, goes back to the very beginning of this profession. And that's, I think, just an advantage we have at Southwestern Consulting. And, and we have figured out how to build a model to do it without getting on an airplane, which I think is, is pretty special. And we just continue to attract amazing people. And, but, you know, whatever your dream is, I think those principles apply. And I hope hearing Brian Tracy's story, I mean, one of the greatest in the world, that'll inspire you to go out and reach your dream, to realize that you have to take control of your life. Start from where you are because your dream matters too much to wait. You can't be discovered. You have to do it now. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that really helps us out. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.